Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Rineker, Justin Charles, John Nye, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast presented by Omaha Steaks. Josh All alone with you today, bringing you the in-depth PFF analysis. And I got a little next-gen stats in here today, too. Talking about the Browns' absolutely demoralizing loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Now, You know, we are a few days removed from everything. We've had time to sleep, sober up a little bit, and just come to terms with everything that happened. And I got to tell you guys, me personally, and I don't know about you as Browns fans, but I'm still a little pissed off. Um, I do not feel like this was just a throwaway, toss-it-aside game, and I will dive into why. Before I get into all of that, though, Make sure you check us out on all the socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Make sure that if you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. We are trying to get to that 8,000 subscriber mark, and we're almost there. So we really appreciate your support. If you're listening on audio, that's Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, I do not believe exists anymore, or it is on its way out. Amazon Music, pretty much anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. So make sure that you are following the show on those platforms as well and leave us a five-star review if you don't mind those really do help the show and last but not least if you want to become an official dog pack member head to jointhedogs.com join the patreon you get all kinds of perks in there we give merch away we have dog pack members of the month we have after hours the dogs after hours show that we do an an extra episode bonus episode for patreon members only each week and of course the private discord which You get access to, and that's just the best place to be on game days, especially during games like the one on Sunday where we can all come together as Browns fans in one centralized location as a community and just commiserate together. So it's great. We have a lot of great debate arguments in there, and it's just a ton of fun, honestly. I mean, it's it's a bunch of like-minded folk. Browns fans, diehards, and you get all different perspectives from all around the world. So if you like the thought of that, if you want to join the Dogs podcast, Discord community, head to jointhedogs.com, become an official Dog Pack member. So if you joined us for our Bleacher Report live post-game show immediately following the game, I mean, that is our second. We've only done two like live streams immediately following games, and they've both been after the losses, the Steelers and the Ravens. We really got to quit doing live streams immediately following the game because emotions are high. You know, we're just upset and angry. I mean, you can't watch the Browns go out on the field and do what they did on Sunday and not just spend the rest of the day in a bad mood. Um, it's it's sad that, that that's what we had to experience this week. Um, of course, you if you watch the show, you kind of saw a little bit of the, of the debate between me and Blake. I honestly don't know where Justin and John stand on the Kevin Stefanski situation because they have not really weighed in yet. I think they're kind of staying out of it 
or whatever. But, you know, it's interesting and you're, you're going to hear more of the argument and we will get their thoughts later on this week on our episode. Blake really is um, of the camp that uh, Kevin Stefanski had his the, the card stacked against him. There really wasn't much he could do going into this game with Dorian Thompson Robinson as the last second starter. And I'm on the side of Browns fans who feel like Kevin Stefanski is absolutely blowing things, that his play calling is suspect, and that his lack of adjustments, whether in-game or pre-game or whatever, just are non-existent. So I'm going to dive into the stats today. I'm going to dive into a little bit of my reasoning behind the way I feel. We'll get Blake's perspective on you know the, the episode later this week. You guys are the most important feedback we can possibly get please drop everything that you think everything you feel whether you agree with blake or you agree with me or you have a different opinion altogether drop it in the comments we want to hear everything you guys are feeling out there as browns fans because i do agree with blake on this aspect the browns are two and two heading into the bye now we talked about this going into the season you know the different range of outcomes for the browns at this point we could be going into the bye one and three we could be going in 0 and 4. We could be going in 4 and 0, 2 and 2. Really, the only outcomes possible right there. So, yes, it's not the 4 and 0 or 3 and 1 that we wanted or that we were hoping for, but it's also not the 0 and 4, 1 and 2 that we were 1 and 3 that we were afraid of either. So, 2 and 2, middle of the road, 500. You know, we we come into the bye with breathing room. Unfortunately, we do have to come out of the bye against the 49ers, but. We'll worry about that later this week and next week as we preview that game. But right now, I want to dive into what happened on Sunday against the Ravens. Let's just start with the absolute ugly. Dorian Thompson Robinson, 19 completions, 36 attempts in his first ever start in the NFL, this fifth round rookie. He had a 52.8 completion percentage through for 121 yards. That's 3.4 yards per attempt. No touchdowns, three interceptions. He fumbled once, recovered or it was recovered, his adjusted completion percentage was just 61.3%. He had five turnover-worthy plays, took four sacks for negative 48 yards, an NFL passer rating of 25.3. Woof. Very rough debut for the rookie. And this is kind of where the argument is coming into play. So again, as you're watching this, whatever's resonating with you, however you feel about the game and the season as a whole, Please start dropping these comments down there. We really want to go through and hear what you guys have to say. So these are these are the stats from the game. And this is where my problem with Kevin Stefanski comes into play. Seven of the first 10 plays on offense were pass plays. So you got a fifth round rookie making his first ever start at the last minute. Supposedly, we'll get to that. At the last minute against the Baltimore Ravens defense, and you're going to come out in your first 10 plays, you're going to go 70% pass heavy. Okay, that seventh pass was the first one intercepted and it was returned to the Browns 10 yard line that set up the Ravens initial score seven to nothing. So along with 70% of the first 10 plays being passes, here's here's the stat that really worries me about Kevin Stefanski. 59% of the plays in the game were passes. So they were what, 59-41 pass play or pass run ratio. Yes, I get it. We were playing from behind for the majority of the game. But here's the stat. 57.6% of the plays called were passes when the Browns were within one score. So in the time frame that the Browns were still in the game, they were still within 
you know, one score of the Ravens. We we were still in the game. That was when it, the, the score was seven nothing and seven to three in that time period of the game in the first half. Fifty seven point six percent of the plays called were passes. Fifteen out of twenty six plays total in that time frame. Why? Why? And and to put this into more perspective, the pass run ratio within one score for the for the season with Deshaun Watson at quarterback with a three time Pro Bowl two hundred thirty million dollar quarterback was six points lower. Okay, so now listen to this. When Deshaun Watson's playing quarterback for the Browns this season, and the Browns are within one score, whether winning by one or losing by a score, the pass run ratio is 51.8%. Almost half. But yet with Dorian Thompson Robinson in his first ever start, this rookie quarterback who you have no idea what he's going to be able to do in an NFL game against that tough Ravens defense was almost six points higher at 57.6%. That's ridiculous. There. That means that Kevin Stefanski was even more pass happy with DTR than he has been with Deshaun Watson within one score. It makes absolutely no sense. So this has been the argument between me and Blake all week. Like I said before, we will continue this on our episode later this week. We'll get John and Justin's input on this as well. I don't know if any of those guys have seen these stats, but I will make sure I bring them up just so that they have a chance to, you know, to to wrap their head around them. But it just it just blows my mind that you got a fifth round rookie making his first ever start in the NFL against this you know Baltimore Ravens defense that honestly is angry because they just came off a loss to the Colts and Gardner Minshew, and you run seven plays in your first ten. That's kind of just in my opinion, and this is my opinion, but I feel like that's really stupid. And I know that over the course of the game, the running backs only average three point seven yards a carry, and. Um, you know, some of the arguments in support of Kevin and everything was like, well, what's he supposed to do? The run game wasn't really going. You know, DTR, well, I guess, and then part of the argument is that DTR was the one who got the Browns, you know, in a deficit early and we had to abandon the run. That's not really the case. That's not really the truth. The Browns certainly could have run the ball early and often, but Kevin chose to run seven pass plays out of the first 10. And that seventh pass, like I said, was the one that led to the interception and the early 7 to nothing deficit. So after that interception and uh, the quick score to put the Ravens up 7 nothing, how did Kevin respond on offense? Came out and ran Kareem Hunt for six yards, ran Kareem Hunt for four yards, ran Kareem Hunt for two yards. Okay, cool. We come out. It's like, let's calm things down. Let's run, run, run. Smart. DTR, short pass to Elijah Moore for seven yards. Okay, cool. That's what we need. Scheme up some quick short passes for this kid. I mean, what are we doing trying to go downfield with a fifth round rookie in his first ever start? So just, this is what I like to see, right? Get some rhythm, Move the ball down the field kind of methodically. Just, you know, eat at the clock. Let's just, let's just get some plays. Let's just take away. Let's, let's gain some time of possession. Let's let DTR calm down and we'll be okay. We made an early mistake. It's almost seemed, almost seemed like Kevin saw the error of his ways and, uh, and was making up for it. So after, what, what did I say? After run, 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 short pass, the Browns are at third and one and... What's Kevin do? 
third string tight end under center pitched to Dorian Thompson Robinson to throw for a 40 yard pass downfield that's almost intercepted. What? I I I don't know about you guys and again. I'm going to keep saying this. Put it in the comments. I want to know what you guys thought, especially like on this play. When I saw Harrison Bryant under center, pitching back to DTR for a deep throw down the field on third and one. After we were just chunking plays, you know, make getting yards on the ground, short pass. What are we doing? Are you kidding me? Just, just we're on our own 44-yard line right there. So, so let me kind of back it up a sec. So he throws the ball downfield. It's almost intercepted. Luckily, Amari Cooper is the intended target. He's able to draw the pass interference call. Thank God, because otherwise, as long as the pass is not intercepted, we are now at fourth and one on our own 44-yard line. Probably have to punt, give the ball back to the Ravens. It's just one of those things where you've got this rookie quarterback in there, and if you're actually trying to win the game or at least make it competitive, it's third and one on your own 44, just go pick up the the first down you've got Kareem Hunt you've got Jerome Ford do the tush push just come on there are easier ways to pick up a third and one than to try to trick the defense with Harrison Bryant under center and have this rookie quarterback run a trick pass play down the field it just to me it didn't make a whole lot of sense but again I'm I'm open to everybody's interpretation and perspective of of the game plan and Kevin Stefanski's play calling so let us know what you guys think so after this pass interference play, okay, great. We got bailed out. Um, that moved the ball to the Baltimore 19-yard line. Sweet. Now things are looking a little bit different for the Browns. Okay, that was a questionable play. Wasn't a fan of it. It worked out. We got the pass interference. We're down inside the Baltimore 20. Maybe we can make this a game go up. Or, I mean, tie it 7-7. See what happens. First play, Elijah Moore jet sweep for 20 yards backwards that's right Elijah Moore decided that he was going to try to make a play and he was bottled up immediately behind the line instead of just going down or just you know living to play another down he went backwards and backwards backwards and backwards some more and I was just screaming at the TV like dude go down just go down for God's sake go down but he did not so now we're at second and 30 we run a couple plays nothing happens I mean come on we that was a momentum killer right there so we end up having to kick a 53-yard field goal where we started at the 19. Unbelievable, but it's a 53-yard attempt. Dustin Hopkins comes out, punches it through. Awesome. I love being able to rely on a field goal kicker right now. That is one of the positive things that we got going on. We can take that with us through the bye. So he puts up three, and they end up being our only points of the game. So just kind of looking at the way the Browns open the game, the very first offensive play, Jerome Ford rips off a 26-yard run. Nice run. Unfortunately, it gets called back on an Amari Cooper holding penalty. I, so that sucked. But still, it was good to see that right out of the gate, we punch him in the mouth, rip off a huge run. And so, so okay, we get called for holding. We restart 10 yards further back, but it's still first and 10. So how does Kevin call those initial plays of the game after we rip off a 26-yard run? It's first and 10. We go seven-yard pass, negative two-yard run, pass, 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 punt. Baltimore gets the ball. We, you know, I, I can't remember if it was a three and out or what it was. But anyway, we stop them on defense. They punt it back. We go seven-yard run, pass, pass, which is intercepted and taken back to the 10, and the game kind of spirals out of control from there. So my issues 
with Kevin Stefanski right now. Actually, before I get into my issues, let me tell you guys real quick about DraftKings. If you're in Ohio, Browns fans, DraftKings has upped their sign-up offer to kick off this football season. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets, plus get up to $150 back in bonus bets if your team loses. All you have to do is sign up with our code, the dogs, all one word. Using our code, the dogs, not only gets you these great bonuses, it also supports this podcast. So if you have been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure you use the code the dogs to maximize your first bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. So like I was saying, my my issues with the play calling really stem from that, you know, 7 out of 10 pass plays to open the game. You've got this rookie quarterback. I, I, I don't want to be a dead horse. I've said what I've said. Let me continue on. Um, it was it was a lot of these comments after the game with Kevin Stefanski that just had me going like, what? Um, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So based on the articles from Cleveland.com, you know, and Kevin's press conference, uh, Kevin Stefanski said that the team took it day by day with Deshaun Watson throughout the week. Deshaun Watson did not throw at practice all week. Uh, DTR had taken all the starter reps in practice and Kevin himself did not come into the stadium on Sunday with a definitive conclusion on who was going to be his starting quarterback. And yet he also said the team was surprised by Watson's last minute inactive before the game. And he also said he did not scrap the Watson centric game plan with DTR as the starter. And that clearly showed. So this is what blows my mind about that is if you were taking it day by day all week, you knew Watson wasn't out there throwing at practice and you knew DTR was taking the, the starter reps at every practice and you didn't come to the game knowing for sure who, which guy was going to start, why didn't you have a backup game plan? Why didn't you have a simplified version of your Deshaun Watson scripted game plan for the Ravens that you're like, okay, I know that DTR has... Deshaun Watson abilities on a much lower level. So therefore, let's take the Deshaun Watson playbook or game plan and let's move it down to this level where DTR can probably execute it at a better um, rate or, you know, has a better opportunity to execute it uh, effectively. But no, he admitted that he did not scrap the Deshaun Watson game plan. So his quote, when you have a backup quarterback, you're ready to own the game plan. I thought DTR prepared well. He got a ton of reps, but that's what backup quarterbacks do. You own the game plan, and then we adjust as need be. Except for me, DTR is not a typical backup. He is a young rookie drafted in the fifth round. He was not a top like NFL talent or anything like that. Um, this was his, he's had no NFL experience to this point. He got a couple handoffs at the end of the Titans game. whoop de doo This is his first start coming in against a nasty, hungry Baltimore Ravens defense in a divisional rivalry. And Kevin decided to just run the offense business as usual. To me, that makes no sense. I, I felt like the lack of his unwillingness to adjust the game plan for his rookie quarterback, put DTR in a situation to fail from the beginning. His heavy pass script from the jump continued to put DTR in a position to fail. Now, 
I'm trying to give as much credit to Blake as I can because I, I don't want to argue with him off screen because that's not fair. He can't get a word in. I'm trying to use his arguments to support his claims here. And, and he has been saying, well, what was Kevin supposed to do? You know, he Blake, he Blake had chalked this game up to a loss as soon as he heard that DTR was going to be the starter, in which case, yeah, that's fair. I can understand the mindset of like, oh, well, you know, we don't have Deshaun. We really don't have much of a shot. But you came into this game as the Browns with the number one defense in the entire league. Okay. DTR, you said as the Browns that this guy is capable of being the number two. Traded away Josh Dobbs, made DTR the two. Okay. I get all of that stuff. So by making DTR the two, though, you did feel that in the right game script with this defense, you could still go out there and game manage your way to a win. And that's not what Kevin did. He did not put DTR in a, in a position to game manage the Browns to a win. He wanted him to go out there and be Deshaun Watson, make these downfield throws, do all these things in in his, in Kevin's offense that Deshaun Watson would normally do. These are not the same quarterbacks. DTR and Deshaun Watson are not the same quarterback. You can't just say that we have a backup quarterback. That's what we expect them to do is go in there and execute the game plan. If, if that was the case, if he can go in and execute the game plan, the exact game plan, exactly the same as Deshaun Watson, then you don't need Deshaun Watson. That's where I get so upset with Kevin is is his unwillingness to adjust the game plan and you know acknowledge that DTR is not Deshaun. So let's dumb this down. Let's simplify this offense. Let's go run heavy. We've got three running backs that we can rotate in here and and, and really just keep pounding the rock over and over. Why aren't we doing short passes? Why aren't we, you know, just get the ball out quick, design these it just it just felt like when I was watching the game, it just felt like Kevin Stefanski had no clue that Deshaun Watson wasn't playing. And to me, that's exactly how it looked. Okay, I got all that off my chest. If you guys agree, disagree, have differing opinions, you saw something else that we haven't even thought of or or acknowledged, put it in the comments. Love to hear it. The thing is, at the end of the day, whether you blame Kevin Stefanski for the loss, you you blame DTR, maybe you blame Deshaun Watson, maybe you blame our defense, whatever, whoever you're blaming, for the loss, or if you're just saying, you know what, card stacked against us, throw it out the window, forget about it, this game, not even too worried about it. Nobody's, none of those opinions are wrong. None of them are right. They are opinions. We are all Browns fans, and at the end of the day, what we really, truly all want together is for the Browns to win. So put your put your comments down below, want to hear what you guys have to say. I'm not going to come attack you if you've got a, diff, you know, a different opinion than me. I just want to hear what you guys have to say because, like I said, at the end of the day, we all just want the Browns to win. Everybody's opinion and takeaway from every game, from every play, from every snap, whatever you want to say, is fueled by that passion. We are all fueled by the passion that we want the Browns to be successful. And we just, you know, there are differing views on how the Browns can make changes or whatever to be successful. So I want to hear from you. I'm going to move on now. I'm done with all that garbage. Let's talk about Jerome Ford. So Jerome Ford's average time behind the line of scrimmage was 3.35 seconds. That's the highest in the NFL right now. So our offensive line, this is my takeaway from that stat, is just not doing a very good job run blocking right now. 
Ford rushed five times to the left edge for 11 yards, 2.2 yards of carry, but he rushed three times to the right edge for 17. That was 5.67 yards of carry. And he only went up the middle one time for a negative two yard loss. Our offensive line. Okay. I, I wish I had more good news today, but I really don't. This is your weekly reminder that Jed Wills at left tackle absolutely sucks. Allowed six pressures, four hurries, and two hits. I'm going to get into some more Jed Wells stats here in a minute. Dewan Jones, by comparison, allowed just three pressures. He still has only allowed eight total pressures on the season. By comparison, Jed Wills, 18. Joel Batonio allowed three pressures. Posick and Nick Harris, because Posick went out with the injury, so our centers combined to allow zero pressures. They did a great job. Wyatt Teller allowed just one pressure on the day, but it was a sack. DTR, like I mentioned earlier, took four sacks. That one by Teller was the only sack that was credited to the offensive line. One of the sacks was on Jerome Ford. He got absolutely blown up on that one. It was really, really rough to watch. And the other two sacks were credited to DTR holding the ball or, you know, getting sacked outside the pocket. Just, it was just not a, not a good day for the kid. Um, let's see. Let's get into a little bit of Jed Wills, everybody's favorite guy to hate right now. And for good reason. He has not had a game this season with a pass blocking grade over. You guys guess? Take a guess real quick while you're listening to this, while you're watching. Where do you think the highest grade Jed Wills has had in pass blocking so far this season? That would be 58. His average for the season is 53.8. If you're not familiar with PFF grades, that is absolutely abysmal. That is actually 10th worst in the entire NFL among tackles. The Steelers' absolutely astastic left tackle, Dan Moore, has allowed 20 pressures in four games. Wills, our you know, 10th overall pick in the draft back in 2020, uh, he has allowed 18. He has only allowed one sack. Oh, I'm sorry. Dan Moore, <laughs> the Steelers' horrible left tackle, has only allowed one sack on the season. Wills has given up two. Moore has actually committed zero penalties. Wills has committed three. So why am I comparing Jed Wills to Dan Moore? Because Dan Moore was the absolute worst graded, ranked, everything you can talk about. He's the worst tackle in the NFL. Jed Wills is only, what, nine spots better than him. Out of, I believe this is out of 59 tackles. That are graded, that's just terrible. That That is not going to get it done. It is a continuing trend. And, you know, I I, I got to, I'm going to give Jed Wills, obviously, a lot of sla- a lot of flack here. I mean, he's playing like garbage. Uh, Bill Callahan, you know, everything, when, when you talk about blame for a player's performance and things on the field, like, you got to find the hierarchy. So, Bill Callahan, what are you doing? Why, I mean, I have access to these stats. You have access to more stats than I do. You have access to all the film that I don't. You can see just how absolutely abysmal Jed Wills is playing. I don't know what you're doing, but you got to do something. You got to do something to fix it, whether it's with him or it's with somebody else. Got to fix the problem. And if you can't fix the problem, Kevin, what are you doing? You, you see this happening week in and week out and nothing is changing. So that's my issue right now with the offense is... It's uninspired. It's uninspired. It, you know, when when we try these trickarooski plays and try to get cute on offense, it doesn't look creative. It looks forced to me. This is my opinion. 
it looks forced. It looks stupid. It just kind of makes me go, what the, what are we doing? But again, that's my opinion. Back to the offensive line. So I just told you all the stuff about Jed Wills. So let's talk about Dewan Jones. Where does our rookie uh, right tackle, you know, slot into all this? So Dewan Jones is 23rd out of 59 overall tackles in the NFL. His PFF pass blocking grade is 71.5. Compare that to Jed Wills, who is 50th, and has a grade of 53.8. Dewan Jones has allowed just eight pressures and still zero sacks on the season. So how about our guards? Guys, the guards are back. Wyatt Teller is 5th out of 53 guards in the NFL. 74.8 pass blocking grade, just 5 pressures allowed all season. Two of them have been sacks. Joel Batonio is right behind him at number 6 with 74.1 pass blocking grade, 8 pressures allowed, 0 sacks, and no hits on the quarterback. So our two starting guards are 5th and 6th overall in the entire NFL out of 59, What? I, oh, sorry, out of 53 graded tackles. Excellent. That's what you want to see. You want to see, I mean, a couple of those, those two right there with DeWan Jones playing. I, I'm going to go ahead and say DeWan Jones is playing exceptional considering he is a rookie. Um, Jed Wills, I'm done. Just completely done. Ethan Posick out of 29 qualifying centers on PFF is seventh. So our line, now, like I said, DeWan Jones is 23rd out of 59 tackles. But still, his grade is, I mean, the grades are within fractions of a point in that range. So, whatever. the guard, Pretty much our entire line right now, in terms of pass blocking, is not doing bad at all. Except for Jed Wills. Posick, 7 out of 29 qualifying centers, 65.1 grade, 5 pressures allowed, just 1 sack on the year. So, I, I gotta say, that is encouraging news that our offensive line is doing... Much better. They're improving. They're looking good. And this isn't just from this isn't from the Ravens game. This is on the season as a whole, including the Ravens game. So we're getting better. The offensive line pass blocking is looking up. It's looking good. That's encouraging for coming out of the bye against San Fran. Hopefully we have Deshaun back. Just got to do something about Jed Wills. And they're not going to. So we're just going to have to continue to deal with that. So pass blocking for the offensive line here in the Ravens game. Ethan Posick and Dewan Jones were the top graded run blockers. So there you go. Remember, early in the season, Dewan Jones was being kind of knocked around a little bit, um, critically for his low run blocking grades. And now he's one of the top graded run blockers on the team. He was the second highest graded tackle in the game. So between both teams. Um, at a 65, the Browns rushed in total for 69 yards on nine carries to the right side of the line for 7.67 yards a carry. Total, we had 10 attempts to the left side for zero yards, though that is slightly skewed by that wonderful Elijah Moore 20-yard backwards run, which, you know, after last week when Deshaun Watson threw that pass backwards or whatever to Elijah Moore that lost a bunch of yards, I thought that was the dumbest play I was going to see all year. And then Elijah Moore says, hold my beer. So looking at the receivers, average separation in the NFL for a wide receiver is 2.94 yards per next-gen stats. Elijah Moore this week against the Ravens was at 2.92, so almost league average. Mari Cooper was at 2.03 in this game. For the Ravens, to compare, Zay Flowers was at 2.33, and Mark Andrews was up at 3 yards of separation on average. Average separation, this is another uh, next-gen stat that I... I found pretty interesting. So average separation from the quarterback for a defensive pass rush on average in the NFL is 4.56 yards. 
So what does that stat mean? Per next-gen stats, a pass rusher's average pressure distance from the quarterback at the time of the passer throw or sack in yards. So this only includes passing plays where the defender is rushing the passer. Miles Garrett was at 2.71 yards this game. That means he was constantly in Lamar Jackson's bubble. He was invading his space consistently, and we will see stats that back that up here in a minute. So the Ravens did not have a player under three in this stat. Like I said, Miles Garrett was at 2.71. So I look back, I said, well, 2.71 for Miles Garrett. How does that compare for the season? Last week against the Titans, uh, they did not have a player under 4.5. Miles was at 3.39. Remember, he was at 2.71 against the Ravens. 3.73 versus the Steelers to compare TJ Watt was at 4.81 over a full yard further than Miles, further back than Miles. And Miles is at 3.65 for the Bengals. So he went 3.65, 3.73, and now he was at 2.71 against the Ravens. So what that tells me is that Miles Garrett continues to dominate the offensive line. He was dominating the Bengals' offensive line. He was dominating here the Ravens' offensive line, specifically the backup for Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, who I believe was Patrick McCarry. Just did not have an answer whatsoever for Miles Garrett. So let's look at the defense. But before I do, let's just take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, fall is in the air, and that means we're looking forward to crisp mornings, falling leaves, and more sweater weather. More importantly, you got to get the best meats for your tailgates, for your outdoor cookouts this fall. Just to kind of put the bad taste of the Browns game out of your mouth, get the great taste of Omaha Steaks coming in. Omaha Steaks has all your fall cravings covered with 50% off site-wide during the semi-annual sale. That's 50% off all your favorite tender, juicy, extra-aged steaks like their Butcher's Cut Filet Mignons. Go to omahasteaks.com right now. Use code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out, and you get an additional $30 off your order. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. You get endless flavor, endless value, incredible entrees, scrumptious size, decadent desserts, and just so much more. All of it, 50% off right now during the semi-annual sale. Every bite is backed by their 100% unconditional guarantee. And like I said, you get $30 off your order when you use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, at checkout. My freezer constantly stocked with Omaha Steaks food. It is the best. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go to omahasteaks.com right now. Shop all of these delicious favorites for half the price. Get 50% off plus $30 extra off your order when you use promo code DOGS at checkout. Get to omahasteaks.com right now because this sale is only for a limited time. Minimum purchase may apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, so let's dive back into this. We'll look at the defense, and I'm not going to go too in-depth with a lot of this stuff because, honestly, there just really wasn't a whole lot to write home about the defense. I mean, the Ravens were given short fields uh, the entire game. Uh, By the end of the game, we had, and it didn't even feel like it because the first half, 
was a completely different story. But by the end of the game, we had more time of possessions. We had run 10 more plays. We had just three fewer first downs. They had 16. We had 13. Uh, we had one fewer penalty than they did. Uh, we had three total turnovers, which I'll get to here in a second. We, on defense, we only defended three passes. They defended 10. But we also threw the ball 36 times. They only threw the ball 19 times. They ran the ball 33 times. We ran the ball 25 times. Their yards per carry was four. Ours was 3.7. You know, it's just one of those games where, honestly, I do think that if we had Deshaun Watson in in this game, we probably win. I, I do not think the Ravens, nothing about the Ravens impressed me. Nothing about their offense impressed me. Lamar Jackson was very efficient with his passes. He had a high completion percentage, but again, low yards. That all, that had a lot to do with them not having a lot of yards to go to score. We gave them so many short fields, but at the same time, he has not put up big yardage in any game so far this year. I mean, the the encouraging thing for me, like I said on the um, the reaction show, was in the second half, the defense came out and did not really, I mean... Honestly, we really didn't let them score in the second half. There was a late interception that set them up for that, you know, last uh, score in the in, at, toward the end of the fourth quarter. But overall, our defense came out from halftime. I, I feel like Jim Schwartz did a good job rallying the troops, getting everybody back up to play. Even though this game was already lost, we had no by halftime it was over. We had no shot of winning this game. We were not going to move the ball, score any points whatsoever. So for the defense to come out still firing all cylinders in the second half and and playing their dominant brand of football was very encouraging. It just shows me that we do have a different mindset, a different mentality on defense this year than we've had in years past. And that's just, that's my, one of my big positive takeaways from this game. So overall for the game though, there are some negatives on defense. We did miss seven tackles in this game. The Ravens only missed two. We did have 17 stops, PFF stops on defense. They had 13 um, we committed four penalties on defense. They only committed two. So let's look at the coverage. Talk about this every week. Martin Emerson gave up just one catch, but it was for 43 yards. It was the big play to Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers had um, their, I believe, second highest receiving yardage on the day, and most of it came on this one play on Martin Emerson. So Emerson has been playing, honestly, at like a Pro Bowl level this year. Again, just... Just one catch on the day coming his way. Unfortunately, it was for those 43 yards. Thornhill, zero catches for zero yards. Greg Newsom had a rough outing. He gave up four catches for 51 in this game, in his first game back with that um, elbow injury. Another good thing, another guy that needs to get healed up over the bye. Rodney McLeod didn't play a whole lot in this game, but he didn't give up any catches. Grant Delpit gave up just one for 14 yards. Denzel Ward gave up just two for 13. Unfortunately, one of those catches was a seven-yard touchdown to Mark Andrews, who had two catches for 30 yards and a touchdown on Anthony Walker. And he also had two of his catches for 43 yards on Greg Newsom. We just, you know, Mark Andrews is always going to be the focal point of the Ravens offense, their passing attack. And, um, I, it's just, what am I supposed to say? You got to give credit where credit's due. Mark Andrews had himself, you know, a day. He continues to be a problem for the Browns. And um, yeah, we just, we didn't have an answer in this one either. So to be continued, right? We got another game coming up, you know, here in about a month or so against them again. The defensive line, Miles Garrett, like I alluded to earlier in the show, continues his absolute onslaught. 
in this one. Five more pressures. Only the one sack, but it was a good sack. But again, this is what I was talking about like against the um, Steelers. He had a 40% pass rush win rate. In this game, 30.4. His pass rush win rate is astronomical. If you want to compare, for defenders who've played at least 75 snaps this year, Miles Garrett is leading the entire league in pass rush win rate at 34.6%. Number two is Nick Bosa for the 49ers at 33.9%. I mean, Darius Smith is down here at number 12 at 28.2%. We're getting after the quarterback. We're winning. Micah Parsons is sixth at 31%. So I'm just trying to give you an idea. I'm trying to find some names here to, to show you just how dominant I don't even see T.J. Watt's name. There he is. T.J. Watt is clear down at 37 with a 19.7%. Think about that. So let's just round these numbers. T.J. Watt, number 37 overall in the NFL at 20% pass rush win rate. Miles Garrett is number one at almost 35%. Miles Garrett's getting it done. Miles Garrett may not be racking up you know, two, three, four sacks a game or anything like that. But that's hard to do. That's hard to do against good NFL offenses or quarterbacks who can elude pressure, especially like Lamar Jackson. But the pass rush win rate and, and the number I talked about earlier with his average distance from the quarterback on you know, all his pass rushing snaps, he is generating pressure like a madman right now. And as long as that continues, the rest of our defensive line is going to continue to have huge success. In this game against the Ravens, Darius Smith had four pressures. He had a 26.3% win rate. And Maurice Hurst, baby, my guy from the preseason, from the offseason, one of my favorite signings for this defense this year, came in, had a 20% pass rush win rate. He generated two pressures on just six rushes. So a good day for Mo Hurst. He had a nice, uh, I think he had a, a pass uh, a deflection at the line. He had a nice stop in the backfield. Like I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Maurice Hurst. So overall, you know, there, there are definitely positives and negatives to take away from this game. I'm going to end on some positives for the defense and a negative for the offense that needs to get turned around. So after this game against the Ravens, the Browns are still number one in the NFL, giving up just 196.8 yards per game. The Dallas Cowboys are number two, giving up 260. So we are... A little, well, 65-ish yards better per game still than the next best team on defense, even after this one. So the Browns defense still holding it together in terms, you know, in, in relation to the rest of the league. Still number one in yards allowed per game. Passing yards per game, the Cleveland Browns still number one at 125. Rushing yards per game, the Browns dropped down. They were, I think we came into the week at number two or three. We are now down at number five at 71.8. That's still great. So the Browns defense, just to recap that real quick, still number one overall in yards allowed, still number one overall in passing yards allowed, and number five overall in rushing allowed. So that's very encouraging. We are now fifth overall in points allowed per game at just 15. So... That is so encouraging. I will take that the rest of the season. If we're holding teams to 15 points per game, we are going to win as long as we have Deshaun Watson and, and the offense is not committing turnovers, which I'm about to get to. We're going to win a lot of games. We still have a lot of football left to go. And 
things are still looking up. So don't get too don't get too down about this game. I know I said a lot of negative stuff about Kevin and stuff at the top of the show. But looking at these defensive stats, our defense is still elite. I know it didn't feel like it during that Ravens game, but it's still there. So on offense, passing yards per game, we are now the sixth worst team in the league. We dropped down to 172.5 after that performance from DTR. Rush yards per game. This is encouraging for the offense. We are still fifth overall, fifth best, at 143.8. So that's a good sign that even though we've had two back-to-back weeks now of poor rushing performances on the offense, we are still fifth overall in the league in rush yards per game. So that's that's a good sign to take forward against. We're not going to be playing great run defenses every single week, so things are going to get better. We do come out of the bye against one again with San Fran, but after that, maybe things can look up a little bit. But turnovers. Oh, my goodness. Let's talk about some turnovers here. So the Browns are now, we came into the, the week against the Ravens as the third worst turnover differential in the league. All we did was get worse. So we are now... We now have the second most turnovers giveaways on offense in the entire league with 10. Only the Minnesota Vikings have more with 11. This has got to get fixed. This has absolutely got to get fixed. Our turnover differential is now negative 7. It was negative 5 coming into the game. That is fourth worst overall, and that's after a couple of these teams had some some rough weeks too. The, The Browns' offense is derailing everything our defense is trying to do. And the two losses that we've had, it has been directly correlated to giveaways on offense uh, against the Steelers. Absolutely. Because our defense really did clamp down and hold them. Our offense gifted them everything they needed to win that game. In this one against the Ravens, it was a whole crap storm the entire time, but it started with, you know, a quick turnover that led to quick and easy points for the Ravens, put us in a deficit that we were, we had no shot of getting out of, especially with the way Kevin was calling plays. So if the offense can just clean up these mental mistakes, quit giving the freaking ball away, we're going to be just fine. So let's take away that. I'm going to end this show. I know this was a longer one, but I just had a lot to get through today, especially after... You know, that demoralizing loss going into the bye week. There's just so much going on. Let's just take a deep breath. We have a lot of things to fix, but we also have a lot of things to hang our hat on. Our defense is still top of the league. Let's just, we can still be top of the league after a game like that. This defense is going to take us places. Offense sucks. The offense is absolutely horrible, but what makes the offense horrible can be fixed. It's all about coaching. Clean up these mistakes. Stop running for 20-yard losses. Stop doing stupid things to fumble the ball, to throw the ball backwards. Just play football. Just play smart football. Take care of the ball. Execute an efficient offense. That's all we have to do. We don't have to be explosive and high-flying and scoring 35 points a game. We just need to score 16 because our defense is holding opposing offenses to 15. And honestly, that number skewed because our defense hasn't given up all those points. Our offense has. So, if our offense quits turning the ball over, that defensive points per game allowed is going to just absolutely drop off even more because it's not really at 15. It should probably be around, I don't know, 9 or 8 or something. I mean, we're still playing very, very good football on the defensive side. So, with all that said, I appreciate you guys tuning in to another stat show, especially after that loss, but 
again, the stats do show a bigger story. They, they tell you what needs fixed, what's going well. And overall, once again, just like I did after the Steelers game, I come out of this show, out of this stats analysis, much more encouraged than I came into it. So I hope you guys did as well. If there's stuff that's troubling you, stuff that's encouraging you, other things that you want me to take a look at or that you found that I didn't mention, drop it in the comments. Love hearing from you guys. Your support means everything to us. We would not be able to keep doing this show at the rate we're doing it. We're continuing to grow and it's only because of your support. So, you know, if you want to become a YouTube member, it's just 99 cents a month. That helps us. It goes a long way. If, if everybody would do that, we could do a show every day of the week. So keep that in mind. If you can spare 99 cents a month to become a YouTube member, we'd really appreciate that as well. If you want to join the dog pack on Patreon, again, that gets you into the Discord, the after hour show, all that fun stuff. And I'm going to go ahead, take a deep breath again, because I did a lot of talking here. We're going to ride in this bye week. Pray to God we get healthy. Come out. And if we can, uh, if we can put up a good game, doesn't even necessarily have to be like a big win or, or a win at all. But if we can just put up a good game against the 49ers, Browns fans will feel a lot better moving forward through the rest of the season, which, as I said, is still wide open. So enjoy your week. We'll be back with you here in a couple days with a group episode with all four of us. And until we talk to you then, let's keep going, Browns. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit scores safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.